0: It is my pleasure now to welcome back to IHUB Radio our assembly member from this district. Eduardo Garcia is joining us by phone. Welcome back, Eduardo, and it's good to talk with you again.
1: Thank you for having us again, and it's our pleasure to be able to call from uh, Sacramento. Uh, We're back uh, in session. Uh, This is the third, fourth week now, and just uh, wanting to make sure that uh, we make ourselves available to your audience and the people listening in the Coachella Valley to uh, be able to answer any questions that uh, folks are raising to you and hopefully uh, be able to answer them. And if we don't have the answer, hopefully uh, get back to them or get back to you.
0: Here we are in this new year, and uh, while everybody is hoping that things are going to soon turn a corner in terms of the threat of the coronavirus that we're facing uh, with an unbelievably rocky road ahead here in the Golden State. Uh, Millions of people remain unemployed right now. People are growing weary from the roller coaster ride of stay-at-home orders made necessary to wipe out COVID. The governor facing a potential recall campaign. And by the way, we have a bunch of other business to take care of in a state this big, even in the best of times. So with that said, I'd like to Maybe start with some of the tough stuff, and then we'll get into some of the really good things that are going on and ask you to tell us, first of all, about what you think are the priorities in a otherwise very tough year for your legislative agenda in 2021.
1: Well, look, there are a number of issues that we'll be dealing with from a legislative standpoint, but I think uh, important for people we serve and the phone calls we get on a regular basis uh, They have to do with uh, EDD, they have to do with small businesses and the support that they need to keep their doors open and the lights on and the capital that's being made available, whether it be through the federal government or the state. And uh, those are the kind of bread and butter issues, the issues of whether or not our schools are going to reopen. We had an interesting uh, conversation with parents uh, recently that uh, want to see the children return back to school in a safe and healthy manner. Then we met with the school teachers who are concerned about returning to school uh, for their safety, the student safety in a premature situation. Um, we are still in a purple tier. Uh, vaccinations are still at a very short um, availability in order to get a, a large part of the essential workers. Uh, vaccinated. So there are those types of issues that people are discussing at the table. And uh, those are really the things that uh, we're working on to try to address on a daily basis. I can tell you, you know, we get a number of calls in our office uh, dealing with the uh, EDD agency related to uh, the fraud issue, the ID verification uh, that their accounts got frozen because of the fraudulent situation uh, with the agency. I mean, Those are the types of, uh, you know, issues that we're uh, confronting uh, and our team is. And so um, every day we're trying to kind of work through those problems on behalf of the people that we represent.
0: Boy, EDD has been a loaded topic, uh, especially on the air here this last week or two. And I got to tell you, $11 billion, and that might just be the tip of the iceberg. How does that hit you as a lawmaker?
1: Well, look, those are $11 uh, million that uh, should have gone to people who today are still waiting to be um, paid for their unemployment. I got a call from a friend who says, I've not heard from EDD in over a month. Just help me. And, of course, uh, him and her and anyone else who needs help, uh, we will assist them. And I want to make sure that uh, they have our office number uh, on the front end, 760-347-2360, is the number to our district office, and we are assisting our constituents daily. But $11 million is money that onto individuals who um, deservingly uh, and were eligible to receive that money. Now, through a recent audit that was put forward, you know, there was a lot of uh, uh, lack of oversight that were not being um, uh, taken into account to verify individuals' numbers. Now, think of this. All of the hassle when you're applying for unemployment that takes place, um, when they ask you for your information, and yet here are individuals who were not being asked for or looked at twice uh, to determine if they were legitimate people to receive these benefits. Just very simple things that were not happening that are going to cost us $11 million.
0: It goes even beyond a billion, not million, but billion. And it goes beyond that because there are people that we have heard from who have been in the system previously because they lost a job. As a result, they've been in the system before, they've gotten benefits before, they've been validated before, and now they're being told, you're fraudulent, you don't even exist. They're being treated the same as people who have feloniously registered, and and that's tough for people at a time when they're scared to death about how they're going to survive.
1: Clearly, none of us could have foreseen and been prepared for this pandemic that has now gone on for close to a year. Right. But we also live in a state and it, that is home to Silicon Valley that has all of the advanced technologies coming out of this state.
0: I'm so glad that you went there, because I was going to bring up the exact same point. They're talking about how antiquated the EDD is, and I'm thinking we're also a state that not only has all this wealth of technology and very smart people behind it, but we're also in a state that they keep talking about, may someday have to face the big one.
1: And and the reason why I'm going there is because that has been a topic of conversation from the onset, when we began hearing about all of these problems occurring with EDD, the issues of efficiencies, uh, being able to turn around the uh, responses for our constituents and getting them paid. And so, you know, there are a lot of recommendations that are being made, not just by lawmakers, but by this audit in itself to be able to become more efficient with our systems in place. And I think that's where we're going. But in the meanwhile, we have a lot of work to do to pay those individuals who continue to wait for their unemployment checks today.
0: Assemblyman, uh, we fortunately have a new administration in Washington and it would seem that we will directly benefit from not having uh, incompetent leadership telling us to rake our leaves so that we are not doomed with forest fires here in the Golden State. But seriously, Uh, We are on fire because of the coronavirus, and we need help getting many of our neighbors to realize that the governor and our legislative body uh, here in the state do not have an easy job trying to get people to realize that you're just trying to keep people safe. Now some are out for the governor's head and How can we ever hope to make it safe to go back to life as usual if Californians want to fight the stay-at-home orders and then safety measures in place?
1: Well, look, it it starts with, you know, some um, self-discipline and responsibility with uh, the masks, the washing of the hands, the physical distancing, uh, the limitations on uh, gatherings within, you know, the small, you know, groups within your own family um, there's a lot of uh, testing, you know, that's been rolled out, and now, you know, we have to, you know, push out the prioritization of vaccines with the limits of vaccines that exist. But it, it's it's hard not to point to the failures that took place early on with recognizing how serious this pandemic was by the federal government, the past administration, and assuming that this would go away uh, by summertime or when it got warmer Um, or that it was just a a few cases and then it would just all disappear. And the fact of the matter is is here we are today with um, record-breaking deaths as well as uh, positive cases, um, not just in our state but across the country, and um, really lacking uh, as it relates to the production of vaccines and the rollout nationwide of the vaccination program. And here we are in a state that attempted to be proactive, uh, to tell people how serious this was. Uh, fast forward eight months, and yes, we, we still see a lot of resistance and the government uh, really uh, taking uh, a beating. And maybe for some reasons, uh, merit, and for others, just based on uh, government you know, attempting to tell people uh, what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, and clearly that's not going to be very popular. But yeah. uh, there is a situation before us, that is of dire need uh, to recognize that people around us are dying. In the last two weeks alone in our district, in our community, we have seen uh, approximately seven people that we know that have died of the coronavirus. And uh, it is something to just think about for a minute and how scary it is that um, this pandemic has impacted the lives of so many people in and around us now. Um, we have a job to do as elected representatives, and it isn't always an easy one. It's one in which we make decisions that are not going to be popular, but we're trying to make them in the best interest of the greater good, in this case, the population. I see agencies like the Desert Healthcare District that, thanks to the expansion of the healthcare district going from Cook Street all the way down to North Shore, they're able to vaccinate you know, essential workers in the eastern parts of the Coachella Valley, where we've seen high numbers of positive cases and higher numbers of deaths, you know, farm workers, grocery workers, and medical workers. And so, you know, I see their work um, as very, very important um, up and down the Coachella Valley as they go out, test people, and vaccinate people that are part of the essential workforce. And they are aligned with you know the principles and the stay home orders that the governor and the public health experts and the scientists have put out there um are all of us um you know happy that we've had to you know be locked up for a bunch of months the answer is no but are we happy that uh, we are um alive and happy that we are uh, healthy to some extent with our family members i hope so you know i sure hope so and so it's been a difficult time and i recognize that Being the governor of California isn't the most popular position right now, but I got to tell you, um, uh, he is working hard to make sure that um, we do not lose more Californians due to this pandemic. And I can tell you that as legislators, we're also holding his feet to the fire to make sure that he is prioritizing places in California that have been hit the hardest. And they happen to be places like Riverside County, Imperial County, And that happens to be the district that I represent.
0: Right. And I don't mean to second-guess him, but I I do agree with you that when we've got people who work with things like the food supply chain, (laughs) um, it's very important that we do everything possible to keep them from getting sick, but need their services badly. So especially out in the eastern Coachella Valley and, and in Imperial uh, County, where you have so many uh, people working, farm workers and, and such, were you disappointed that they didn't look at some people by trade in terms of their priority. This most recent vaccination schedule that they've got uh, is really more age-based and it's taken away the ability to help people who are in certain professions other than those working like frontline in the hospitals?
1: Well, we were, and that's why early on we introduced Assembly Bill 93 that prioritized the food chain supply workers uh, because we knew ahead of time that The focus um, was going to be uh, workers um, in the medical industry, which rightfully so should be. But my attempt and the introduction of AB 93 was to ensure that medical workers, along with food chain supply workers in areas that have been hit hardest by COVID-19, be part of the first wave of vaccinations. Turns out to be that the fact here now is that our shortage of vaccines has been the biggest hurdle that um, has been before us. And that um, that comes from the federal government and the production of the vaccine. So uh, we're still back at square one. Not enough vaccines to vaccinate everyone on the list. But we're going to continue to push hard. And as I mentioned earlier, thanks to the work of other governmental nonprofit-type agencies, they're out there doing this work where they're putting forward Um, and prioritizing these essential workers. And so, uh, look, we're going to keep pushing. And it's okay, John, to hold the governor and us uh, accountable and ask us questions about why are we choosing to do this as opposed to that, similar to the EDD problem. Um, We have to be held accountable. Uh, But then when a decision is made and a rational response is given, uh, I think at some point, you know, we have to, Uh, make a decision that it was made uh, in the interest of uh, addressing the problem and protecting the public health and well-being of folks uh, that we represent. Uh, We don't always have to agree, but we certainly can be respectful about the decision and the intent of it and hope that the outcome is what was intended, right? And sometimes and all the time uh, that isn't uh, always the case, but nevertheless – we are making strides in our district to try to uh, make sure that people are protected.
0: Yeah. I want to turn the corner a little bit here. new president is expected to take a much different, thank God, approach to immigration and people who seek refugee status here in the United States. We're hearing that customs and border officials think that this is going to put a huge strain on the federal law enforcement at the border and subsequently services in our communities here in Southern California. What, what do you foresee and how will the state work t- uh, with the federal government, do you think, to make sure that it's not going to be total mayhem?
1: Well, look, that's always the conversation. Uh, we know that immigration is a very polarizing issue. And certainly now more than ever, as we've seen how, the conversation in this country about politics has become so divisive. And so when you talk about immigration, I cannot imagine that the nationalist uh, perspectives of us versus them certainly won't play into the we can't afford uh, to have these people. The fact is that there are 11.5 million people already here uh, working, contributing, um, a couple years ago, I recall seeing a study, and it was reviewed by the Congressional Budget Office, that approximately somewhere in the range of 7 and $9 billion of uh, tax-paying um, uh, revenues uh, go into the Social Security budget from undocumented workers in this country. So if you're someone listening and you're uh, a Social Security recipient, know that anywhere between... Seven and nine billion dollars a couple of years ago, it was determined, uh, come from undocumented workers paying taxes in this country. Yeah. So conversation about undocumented workers in this country is a critical one uh, because uh, at least in the industries uh, that make up a large portion of the workforce in the Coachella Valley, hospitality, tourism industry, the agriculture industry, yeah. all the way down from our district to the Blythe area to the border in Imperial County, it's estimated, depending on the research uh, institute, that anywhere between 40 and 60 percent of the workers are undocumented and working under a different name and um, social security. So, um, those are individuals who are here who have been working for years, if not decades, have established um, their families here, bought homes here, yeah. have raised their children here and um for by some, the way
0: we don't we don 't want a Caesar salad costing forty five dollars either i don 't see anyone that. else wanting to go out and work in the fields. They are hard workers
1: We, we definitely don't want that, but what we don 't want is uh, to continue to have these individuals who live in our communities uh living under the shadows right and that 's the same person who is cleaning someone 's house is cutting someone 's lawn is serving someone's dinner tonight at an outdoor restaurant and, again, is picking someone's food at a field. So right. um, that's the conversation that I think we want to have and the contributions to the economy. And as it relates to securing the border, as it relates to collaboration between law enforcement, I think you're going to see that type of collaboration between the state and the federal government, um, given the relationships that are going to be much more amicable between Um, this new administration and this administration. It's also important to note that over the last few years, there's been a decline of uh, undocumented immigrants in this country and apprehended at the border because there's just been less people coming to this country.
0: Eduardo, we've run out of time again. And we've got so much more to talk about. I'd like to maybe try and get you back with us next week if we could. I'll just quickly mention this before we get away today, that you introduced something important related to Tom Flores, the NFL great. And I want to do another interview on what's going on out at Salton Sea and and with the extraction of the lithium out there. So uh, I hope we can get you to come back for that.
1: It will be my pleasure. Thank you again for having us.
0: You bet. Always a pleasure. Thank you. That is your Assemblyman, Eduardo Garcia, joining us on The John McMullen Show. Stay with us.